Hallelujah. I'm in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 16, and verse 1. In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Does anybody else want to read that out loud? That, that was a tongue twister. And I, I thought I did really well. You never said a word. Okay. 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign and reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God like David his father. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. And on this Mother's Day, I want to preach, teach, whatever the Lord gives me. And I probably will not get done, but I will cut it off at the proper time. I want to talk about this message, but for mama. But for mama. Now you may be seated in Jesus' name. Now, I just read to you a, a, a four verses of Scripture. And in those four verses of Scripture, this is what we find out. The new king in the southern tribe or southern kingdom of Judah is Ahaz, A-H-A-Z, Ahaz. His father's name, according to the text, was Jotham. His age at the beginning of his reign, 20. Length of reign, 16 years. Where did he reign? In Jerusalem. Character of his reign, totally evil. Reigning, reigning in the northern kingdom of Israel at that time, remember, there's a divided kingdom, two tribes in the south, ten tribes in the north, Reigning in the northern kingdom of Israel at that time is King Pekah, who had been the king there for 17 years. Now the Bible tells us that King Ahaz did not follow his ancestor David. It says his father David. Well, David's like 13 or 10, 12 to 13 generations back from Ahaz. So it's really telling you his ancestor. He, he did not follow the Lord as his ancestor David had. And Ahaz was as wicked as the kings of the northern kingdom. The kings of the northern kingdom of Israel were all evil. And some of the kings in Judah were good kings, and then there were some bad kings, and Ahaz was a bad one. He was so bad that he even killed one of his own sons and offered him as a burnt sacrifice to the gods following the heathen customs of the nations around him by the way that the Lord had destroyed because of their sin. He followed their sins and offered one of his sons. He also sacrificed and burned incense at the shrines on the hills and at the numerous idolatrous altars that he had built in groves of trees. King Ahaz stopped following the ways of 
the four relatively good kings that had preceded him. And he made images of Baal and offered infant sacrifices. If we judge him too hard, it's happening in America right now too. But he offered infant sacrifices in the valley of Hinnom. And he sacrificed in the high places. He came under further pagan influence at Damascus. Where he went to meet the king of Assyria. And there while he was in Assyria and in Damascus. He saw a pagan altar that really he really liked. And he commanded Uriah the priest in Jerusalem to build a copy of this pagan altar. And he closed the temple of the Lord and removed its sacred utensils and raised shrines to the deities everywhere. Ahaz would not, not that he could not, but he would not turn to God. Instead, King Ahaz plunged deeper into idolatry and self-destruction. Ahaz's conduct brought finally divine judgment to Judah in the form of military defeats. See, sometimes people don't realize Judgment of God can come, and you don't actually see God's spiritual hand, but they saw in the, in the area of military defeats that started coming to their nation. May God help us. Edom revolted, took captives from Judah. The Philistines invaded Judah, capturing several cities. Reason of Damascus seized control of Eloth. It was uh, Judah's port on the Gulf of Aqaba. And did you know that when Ahaz died, they buried him without honors in Jerusalem. They said he was not worthy to be buried in the royal tombs. He died unlamented, and his body was not placed in the sacred sepulchers that his ancestors had been placed Ladies and gentlemen, I guess you get the picture. Ahaz was evil. He was morally reprehensible. So knowing that, what hope would his children have? Ahaz was just the worst of the worst. The children that he didn't murder while they were small, and he did some of that to his own kids, would not be voted if there was a vote taken as being the young people most likely to succeed. Matter of fact, you may have heard me. I've, I've used this poem many times over the last many years. It's a poem called The Bad Example. He whipped his boy for lying, and his cheeks were flaming red. And of course, there's no denying there was truth in what he said, that a liar is always hated. But the little fellow knew that his father often stated many things that were untrue. He caught the youngster cheating and he sent him up to bed. And it's useless now repeating all the bitter things he said. He talked of honor loudly as a lesson to be learned and forgot he'd boasted proudly of the cunning tricks he'd turned. He heard the youngster swearing and he punished him again. You'd have no boy as daring as to utter words profane, yet the youngster could have told him, poor misguided little elf, that it seemed unfair to scold him when he had often cursed himself. All in vain is splendid preaching and the noble things we say, all, 
All our talk is wasted teaching if we do not lead the way. We can never, by reviewing all the sermons on the shelves, keep the younger hands from doing what we often do ourselves. And so what chance would a son of Ahaz have of ever accomplishing anything? And yet, in spite of all of the above, he had a famous son who went to the head of the class. He had a son that became one of the most godly kings that Judah had ever had. He had a son who was good. And his first act as king when he succeeded his father was to reopen the temple of the Lord that his father had closed. His son rooted out the pagan cults that had thrived during his father's reign. This young man retook the cities from the Philistines that his father had forfeited. This young man is still remembered as one of Judah's most godly kings and that an ungodly man like Ahaz could have such a godly son can only be attributed to the grace of God. For his son's name was Hezekiah. And you may have heard of his name, but he was one of the more godly kings that, that Judah had. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that feared God. He was a man that served the Lord with all of his heart, and yet his dad was a total loser. Grace is the power of God that gives us to help us, that God gives us to help us to do what we could never do on our own. You know, when somebody says, Brother Stoops, I can't do this, you just don't know my situation, I say, phooey. You're telling me that situation is greater than the grace of God? When somebody says, well, you just don't understand. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Well, here's a record of a man who grew up in a family where his dad killed several of his siblings. And he didn't know when he would be next. And yet that boy dedicated his life to God. I'm going to tell you that the grace of God is bigger than your situation. The grace of God is bigger than your problem. Quit magnifying the problem and start magnifying the Lord. You know what the problem with us is? We get into a problem, we put our eyes on the problem, and we don't take it off. We keep looking at the problem and we keep getting it. And, you know, it's, it's a problem about this size, not even that big for God. God can handle that with a flick of his finger. But we keep looking at the problem and examining it and looking at it and examining it. And pretty soon, you know, it's, it obstructs our vision. We can't see anything else. This problem is so huge. I'm going to tell you why. You need to get that thing out of your eyesight and start looking at the Lord. My God is bigger than that. My God is bigger than your problem. My God is bigger than your situation. My God's bigger than your divorce. My God is bigger than your dysfunctional family. My God is 
bigger than your wayward child. My God is bigger than your cancer. My God is bigger than your hepatitis. My God is bigger than your diabetes. My God is bigger than whatever you're facing. So get your eyes on Jesus. And when you look at him, you're going to see hope. You're going to see hope. You're going to see hope because Jesus is up to the mission. Do I have to push this pulpit over to get some of your attention this morning? I know it's Mother's Day. And I appreciate all the mothers. But by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Quit looking at your cotton-picking problem and start looking at the great big God that can do it all. Come on now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, devil. You're not taking me to hell. I'm not going with you. You just go back and tell your minions, I'm not coming. I've been living for God many years, and I don't think there's too many tricks I haven't seen. He's an old devil with old tricks. You know what the answer is? Still is, always has been. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is bigger than your chronic pain. Jesus is bigger than your financial problem. Jesus is bigger than your homelessness. Jesus is bigger than the problem that's assailing you right now. But you know what? If you're going to get Jesus' help, you got to turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. I know the devil doesn't like this kind of preaching. He wants me to stand here and just have a little talk about mothers and what a wonderful thing that, that uh, motherhood is, and it is, and I'll talk about it a little bit more. But I'm going to tell you something. You need to Shake your fist at the devil. Some mother needs to get a little anger going toward that bad guy down there. You start shaking your fist at the devil and saying, devil, you want one of these? You're going to lose all your teeth. You mess with me. Because you see, your enemy is not in flesh and blood. Your enemy doesn't have two hands, two arms, two legs, and a head. And live on earth. Your enemy is the same one who tricked Eve into sinning in the garden. Your enemy is the devil. And you can't come against him with carnal weapons. The the weapons of our carnal... uh, uh, Weapons of our warfare... Hello! Are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. So when you get into this, did not, did to, did not, did to, did not. Oh, shut up. That's not going to get you anywhere. All that's going to do is sink you down in the quagmire, and somebody's going to have to lasso you out of there. And it's going to hurt. You know what we need to do? I begin to call upon the name of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
But when you lift that hand, you need to ask God before you lift it, God, give me holy hands so I can lift my hands and be holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Well, let's try it first, okay? First of all, Lord, give us holy hands, I pray. Cleanse our hands from anything, Lord, that they shouldn't have on them. And now lift your hands. We ask God to do it. Lift your hands without wrath and without doubting. Come on. Holy hands. Come on. Some of you can't even follow instructions. Lift your hands. Holy hands. God, in the name of Jesus, here I am today. I claim the victory over the evil one. I claim victory over the devil. I claim victory over every demon. I claim victory right now in the mighty name of Jesus. You're powerful and strong. I claim victory over chronic pain. I claim victory right now, Lord God, over injuries that have lasted for a long time. I claim victory, Lord God, over chronic illness. Come on, somebody. I claim victory right now over the spirits that would destroy my children. I claim victory right now in the name of Jesus. Devil, you don't want to mess with me. I'm feeling pretty wild and woolly right now. My God is able. But you know what? I mentioned this earlier in the service. God's grace doesn't come to to me because somehow I earned it. God's grace doesn't come to me because today I was a good boy and I deserve it. I try to be a good boy. You can ask my wife or my mother. I have them both. But God's grace comes when we are without strength. Chris, you get that? When I have no strength, God's grace comes to me. When I'm wobbling at the ropes, God says, enough. He pushes the devil back and he puts strength into me. God's grace comes when I am without strength. God's grace comes when we have not done the things that maybe we should have, or maybe we haven't done the things we should have. And we're going, man, I didn't get this done, I didn't get that done, or I responded to this wrong, I reacted to that wrong. And the folks who think that they have to have a good day before God can bless them, they're stuck. They're going to go through hell for a while. Because, see, they don't deserve it, and they have to earn it before they can, before they can get the blessing. So they got to have at least one good day that they can say, I prayed today, I did my fasting, I read my Bible, and all these are good things. But that is not the basis on which God blesses somebody. God reaches down into the middle of your mess. God walks right into the middle of your mess and says, somebody messing with you, son? Somebody messing with you, my daughter? Oh, I see you. You got a cut. I see you got a bruise there. You come to Papa. I'm going to take care of this right now. And in the middle of your mess, God walks somehow. You know, I feel the Holy Ghost. God's walking up to somebody right now. I felt it just a minute ago. God wants to walk up to you and just wrap you in his arms for a moment. And, and if you've got time for that, go ahead. I'll let you just let God love you for a moment. Go ahead. Just give God the praise. Close your eyes. You don't need to see anybody else. Whew, hallelujah. 
I don't know about you, but this is how it works for me. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man someone even dared to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I have found myself quoting the following passage more and more of late. And here it is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. All, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what I call God's grace. Isn't that amazing? So by God's grace, Hezekiah made good choices, lived for God in spite of his father's evil influence. What is the measure of sin and defeat? High as the heavens, deep as the sea. But no matter what the sin is, there's one thing I know. God's grace reaches farther than sin could ever go. Justice called for payment. The blood sacrifice. Mercy made provision. Jesus paid the price. All who call upon him are washed as white as snow. God's grace reaches farther than sin could ever go. On Calvary's mountain, the sin debt was paid. The Lamb of God was slain there. Atonement was made. Through that death and resurrection and the blood that still flows, God's grace reaches farther than sin could ever go. And I thank God for his grace. And there was one other component that helped Ahaz. And it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 and 2. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. His mother's name, by the way, was not just a randomly chosen, chosen name that had a good lilt on the tongue. That name means in English, God is my father. So Abijah, his mother's name, which is kind of a different name for a woman, would you agree? Now, if there's anybody here by the name of Abijah, I apologize. But it seems like an unusual name for a lady, and yet it's a very good name. It means my God, God is my father. And I want you to notice that in Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1, it states his mother's name, and then 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, 
begins with the word and. A function word to indicate connection. And his, his mother's name was Abijah, God is my father, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So I get it. The Bible is saying he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And right before that it says his mother's name was Abijah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. In other words, the influence of his mother. She was a godly woman. Her name means God is my father. A London editor submitted to Winston Churchill for his approval a list of all those who had been Churchill's teachers. Churchill returned the list with this comment. You have omitted to mention the greatest of my teachers, my mother. Mother, the poet applauds her, the historian lauds her, but who is mother? Mother is the one who rises up from sleep to soothe the cries from the crib, who sits beside the bed with a cool hand upon a small feverish brow. Mother is the one who sews, scrubs, cooks, irons, patches, mops, but somehow still has time for your every problem, no matter how great, no matter how small. Mother is the one who sings the forever remembered lullaby. And that has been something that has carried down through the years in our family. I can still remember some of the songs that my wife sang to our kids as she was rocking them, taking care of them. If you happen to be around our household when our kids were small, you'd hear my wife singing, a little child will trust you. He'll believe in what you say. He's honest and he hasn't learned the games that grown-ups play. I could go on about that one for a few minutes. That was Eric's song. I won't go through all of them. Shane's song was, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Sarah's song was, I love my baby Sarah, and I love her two big brothers, and I love her daddy too. <laughs> Hope that's still true after this message. Zachary's song was, I love you forever, I like you always. And it went like that. And each of the grandkids have their own song, so I won't go. I've got ten grandchildren, and that would take the rest of the morning. So each one of them, she composes. The songs I sang weren't nearly as powerful. When Eric and Shane were little, I, I sang like, uh, I got two boys, one, two. They make a lot of noise, one, two. I, make, I have got two boys, and they make a lot of noise. 
Or I might say, Daddy's boy, not no good, chop him up for kindling wood. <laughs> I kind of went along with all the nursery rhymes that scare kids to death. You know, rocking in a cradle where the limb is going to snap and they're going to fall down. And you ever notice all these wonderful nursery rhymes that moms sing to the kids right before they put them in the bed? And they wonder why the kid wakes up screaming. Down will come cradle, baby, and all. Yikes! Or some mouse running up a clock and all kinds of stuff going on. Mother's the one who bandages skin knees and stubby, stubbed toes and who can kiss the pain away and say just the right consoling word that makes everything all right. In our household, my wife is called Dr. Ama. Mother is the one who sits in the pew with memories crowding, and she smiles a little and cries a little as she hears the words intoned, to love and to cherish till death us do part. Mother is the one who is the grandmother will spoil your children while you wait, because she loves them so deeply and because in them she sees you. Mother is the one who will do the most for you and in return ask for the least. Her hope never fades. It's not like when Dakota was a little kid. He comes running into the house one morning, sits down next to me on the couch. I thought, wow, this is awesome. He's just a little boy. And he says, Grampy, I love you. I love you too, son. Can I ride your four-wheeler? <laughs> I never even had a chance to catch a breath before. You know, he set me up. Can I ride your four-wheeler? Get away from me, kid. You bother me. Mom's hope never fades in her kids, no matter how far away you are, no matter how often you have neglected her. She is always there to do whatever you ask in the same way she's always done. She'll do her best. Mother is the one that you finally pluck the white rose and pin it to your heart. Never the same without her. My thoughts go to all of you who've lost your mom, but remember, remember all the good times. You'll never get accustomed to her absence, I'm sure. She should call, she should write, but she doesn't. That which you took for granted for so long is no longer granted you. But you're not alone. Look inside. Count the best things in your life. The character, the love, the unselfishness, the forgiveness, the kindness, the gentleness. They were all planted by that tender hand long ago. And though you may not have had a biological mother, some have not had that luxury. But there's been somebody in your life who was a mother figure who did that for you. The Bible teaches us to call God Father. But I have to admit to you that so much of what God is can only be described by the word mother. I remember a story several years ago and I'm only going to go for a few more moments. It was the home of an English family, and it was on fire. 
They thought everybody was out, but no, the baby was not. And that mother saved her. For years as the child grew up, the mother went about the house with her hands covered. Strange thing, she would never let anyone see her hands. The eldest of the servants had never seen her hands. But the daughter came into her room one day unexpectedly and the mother sat there with her hands uncovered and they were horribly torn and scarred and disfigured. Instantly the mother reached for her gloves and she tried to cover them as the girl came forward but she said, I had better tell you about it. It was when the fire was in the house and you were in your cradle. I fought my way through the flames to get to you. I wrapped you in a blanket. I dropped you through the window and somebody caught you. I could not go down the stairwell, so I climbed out the window. My hands were burnt and I slipped and caught on the trellis. When I fell, my hands were torn. The doctor did his best, but my dear, these hands were torn for you. And the girl who had grown to womanhood sprang toward her mother. She took one hand and then the other and buried her face in those hands. And she kept saying, they are beautiful hands, mama. Beautiful hands. They are beautiful hands, but for mama. But for mama. I have an old-fashioned mother. She did not pretend to be smart, or she is. To care for her home and her dear ones was the wish that was first in her heart. We were raised by old-fashioned rules. I don't know about you guys. So little employed today. And when we so richly deserved it, we were spanked in the old-fashioned way. A good name is far better, she'd say, than all the wealth of the nation, and truth is best any day. She believed in the old-fashioned Bible. She trusted in old-fashioned prayer. She told us that Jesus would hear us and if we'd speak anytime, anywhere. And today I thank God for an old-fashioned mother, for the Bible and old-fashioned prayer, for the old-fashioned faith that is looking for our Lord to appear in the air. Thank you, Mom. But for Mama. I've always been touched by the story of an old woman who tripped and fell from the top of a stone stairwell in Boston, not that far from here. She was coming out of the police station. They called the patrol and carried her to the hospital, and the doctor examined her, said to the nurse, she'll not live one more day. When the nurse had won her confidence, the old woman said, I have traveled from California, stopping at every city of importance between San Francisco and Boston, and I've visited two places in every town, the police station and the hospital. My boy went away from me and did not tell me where he was going, so I have sold all my property, made this journey to seek him out, and someday... He may come to this hospital, and if he does, tell him that there were were two who never gave up on him. When the night came and the doctor standing beside her said, it's now but a question of a few minutes, that same nurse bent over her to say, tell me the names of the two, and I will tell your son if I see him. With trembling lips and eyes overflowing with tears, she said, Tell him that the two were God and his mother, and she was gone. 
I owe my walk with God to a large degree to this little lady sitting here in the second row, my sweet mother, who was faithful to teach me the ways of God all the days of my youth. I owe her a debt of gratitude, which I'm working on trying to repay. The Lord willing, on June 21st, we will celebrate 47 years, unbelievable, that I've been blessed to have a Christian wife who has been faithful to God, faithful to me, faithful to her kids, grandkids, everybody, faithful to this church family. So you see, I'm doubly blessed. How many young guys like me would still have their mother? Huh? That's right. Amazing. You know, when, when mother had me, she was already middle-aged. I really didn't think that I would have a mother when I got to be the age I am still with me. I'm really blessed. My mother is 99 and six months years old right now. Isn't that amazing? And she can get up in my truck better than some of you can. And now I've had 47 years to be married. Well, at least I will in a few days, June 21st. So I have been doubly blessed, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all that God is doing and has done. And so here we are today. We're a blessed people. We got all kinds of things to be thankful for. You know, the enemy would love for us to feel sorry for ourselves. But I can tell you there's people in this building that I know personally that are in tremendous pain right now. And they're loving God. And they're serving the Lord. I know people that are going through family situations that are just horrible. But I know that God loves them and he's making a way for them. And I just feel like telling somebody, you've got this. God's got this. You're going to make it. You're going to clear that fence by a good three feet. You're going to make this. God's got his hand upon you. Don't let your eyes be downcast because if you look down, you're only going to see dirt. Look up, trust the Lord, believe God. I'm looking for a miracle right now. God can do anything. There's nothing too hard for him. God can turn your situation around. There's a young person right now in this room that God wants to give you a brilliant future if you'd allow him to. God can take all the doldrums and all the weariness of life from you and fill you with joy and peace. And, and God can touch the elderly and make them feel great also. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just enrolled in a class. I'm not going to just sit and no melt away. I believe... Yes, 
I believe that God has got great things in store for us. Would you lift your hands kind of like this to the Lord? Would you look up toward the heavens right now? And would you begin to praise him, Lord, I don't understand all I'm going through, but I know that you love me. I know, Lord God, that you are great. I I don't understand why certain things are allowed to happen, but Father, I know that you love me, and I know that you care for me, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus, who loves us and gave himself for us. Hallelujah. Thank God for the amazing grace. Look at Sister Judy here. She's a very picture of youth. Amen. <laughs> After four and a half years away from here, right? God mercifully brought her back. Amen. Not that you can't be saved anywhere else. I understand that. But it's good to be home, isn't it? Amen. I have one song to sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm Amazing, 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 amazing. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. One more time. And when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You know, as I singing this song, I'm thinking about how much I love all you people and how God is going to help you to get through what you're going through. Some of you I've known for many, many, many years, and I know that God's going to help you get through this situation. Brother Archer, I believe you're watching online today. I know God is getting you through this situation. It's going to be all right. God's got his hand on you. I, I wonder... How many today 
would like to request that God would do a special miracle for you. And I don't want you to look around and see who else stands or who else doesn't. This is totally personal between you and God. But I, I wonder if it would be worth the effort of standing to your feet if you need a special miracle for you or a loved one and you want to stand to your feet. I feel a miracle in the house right now. I know that Jesus loves you. Now just close your eyes and keep your hand up in the air representing that need right now. Father, I'm asking for a miracle for each one of these people that have stood. Each one of them who have stood signifying they need a special miracle either for themselves or for one of their dear loved ones. Lord, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would touch that need right now with your awesome miracle power. Lord, that you would destroy cancer. God, in the name of Jesus, that you would heal the bodies. Lord, that you would touch the dysfunctional families. God, that you would touch the wayward son or the wayward daughter. Father, don't let there be any hatred in our heart or animosity toward any man or any woman. But let the love of God flow through us and let souls be saved because you love them and because of your amazing grace. Hallelujah. Father, we worship and praise you. Now we receive this miracle in the name of Jesus the Christ, the living God. Hallelujah. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, right now, take the pain physical and emotional. Take it all, Father. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for it, God. We thank you for it right now. Hallelujah. Now, would you close your eyes, and I'm going to say something to you, and it's going to happen. Close your eyes. Ready? I'm going to say it to you, and it's going to happen. Receive ye the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. Be filled right now, right where you are, with the Holy Ghost. Be refilled. Be filled, full to overflowing with Holy Ghost power. That's it. Come on. Let God do it right now, right where you stand. Not because you deserve it, but because of the goodness of our Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Open your mouth. Praise Him with your voice. Give God a praise that comes out of your heart. I love you, Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say I love Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you're giving us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The miracle power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. What a blessing to be here today. Anybody feel the Lord? I, I can feel him right now. He's here. Brother Dan, he's here. Hallelujah. He's working out all things for our good. I don't know why God didn't do it all of a sudden in 60 seconds, but he's doing it just the same. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It could be this 60 seconds, actually. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus, work a miracle, Lord. Hallelujah. MS, I command you to leave that body right now. By the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
Hallelujah. Let strength flow into that nervous system. Let strength flow into that brain. Let strength flow into the nerves, Lord. Hallelujah. Throughout his entire body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you praise and glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God.